Hi and welcome back to Grown Up. I'm Laura Blair. And I'm Abby Blairs, and this week I'm going to be interviewing Laura. Yay! That's right. We've all been wondering how on earth Laura managed to amass tons of Instagram followers and YouTube subscribers and if and how she makes money from social media. I love how you've just really bigged me up. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. I love that I'm like saying if and how when I already know the answer. I feel like I'm going to ask you loads of questions that I know the answer to already. <laughs> anyway, so at the moment, how many followers have you actually got? Like, where are we at at the moment? Um, just so we can get a perspective on Do you on know this. what? I never know. I don't really check. I think 153,000 on Instagram. And I'm so close to 100,000 on YouTube. So I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit. And I want you to introduce yourself, sell it. For those of you that may who not know. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> who okay, are you? So who it, is Laura Blair? If you've landed on this podcast, I'm Laura. <laughs> I'm a 31-year-old. <laughs> People love to ask you your age, don't yeah, they? they do. Most Googled thing about me, my age. And my accent yeah. from the Wirral. Um, so I'm a 31-year-old fashion and beauty blogger, YouTuber. I bet that's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah. And like, where were you? Like, how did you get into this? Like, what were you doing when you were like, I'm gonna become this person that does social, like, where did it start? Do you know what, it's a really, I think most people who do this industry have a, like a pinpoint moment where they're like, this is the day it started. But for me, it was kind of like a process. So I originally trained in with Abbey Musical Theatre hated it so I changed like careers and went back to uni and did fashion management and marketing never knew anything about the blogging industry I was really late to the game I thought YouTube was a place of like cats and kittens and dogs and animals that is pretty much what I do on YouTube see that is not what YouTube is (laughs) at all and then um I started working in social media after university and I was like started getting introduced to bloggers and I remember one time I was working um for a brand I probably can't tell I can't say but I took two YouTubers behind the scenes to film and I was like they sent their invoice over and I was like how much (laughs) literally these two little like teenagers got paid the same as what I did for like two months salary so I was like I want a piece of this cake so literally just started filming from that day on have you always been interested in fashion like from day dot you can answer this question (laughs) (laughs) laura's always been interested in fashion i'm pretending um, not to know do you remember my bedroom when we lived together in liverpool yeah shoes shoes clothes everywhere and each day i came to school i was like in a different outfit yeah and i really used to set trends in college do you remember when i started wearing tights and leggings (laughs) (laughs) and then the whole school followed (laughs) <laughs> and you've always like kind of not cared, not in the bad way, but you don't really care what people think about what you wear. Oh God, like, do not very, like, care adventurous. whatsoever what people would think of what my outfit is. I remember one time I was in sixth form and everyone had to wear a suit and I just discovered, I did art textiles, so I just discovered Vivian Westwood. So the next day I came dressed pretty much as one of Vivian Westwood's catwalk shows. I'd literally got the scissors and taken it to my pants, my shirt. I wore a Baker Boy hat and I remember walking into college and I got in maybe like four or five hours and my head teacher was like, Laura, go home, get changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened a lot. That's never happened to I got me. kicked out the RAF cadets for like fashioning the skirt into a pencil skirt. <laughs> See, they should have been like praising your creativity. I think so really. too. They missed a trick there. <laughs> so when you meet people, like a lot of the time people will be like, oh, what do you do for a living? Like, would you say like influencer or, and like, how do people react? I really hate the term influencer. 
And sometimes I lie most of the time. It depends who I'm talking to. Like obviously in the industry, I like I'm a blogger, I'm a YouTuber. Um, if I met some, like say, if I met a guy on a night out, I would never ever say, I'm, I do what I do. I just say I work in fashion or like PR because it's, I find if you fancy someone, say if you've met someone before the next day, they've already watched like so many of your videos yes. and they'll say something. I'm like, you wouldn't have known that unless you watched like 40 minutes of that vlog. So I try not to tell people unless they really need to know. <laughs> yeah. So you like three dates and you might like drop it in or. Yeah. And I really hate, I think influencer has been like the word that most people use, but I think a lot of the industry people in the industry would agree that it's kind of doesn't, it's kind of a fickle name for how much work we do. I think influencer, you get like the idea that you just take pictures and selfies and like pout a lot. And it's yeah. like such an incredibly hardworking job to be a YouTuber, Instagrammer, blogger and do the whole shebang. Yeah. And I think it really undermines the industry. Yeah. And under no other reason that the association is with the selfie pouts. <laughs> Yeah. Which I occasionally do. And also, I think there are quite a lot of people who see what you do, think that they can do it too, and do go down that just taking a few pictures and pouting yeah. sort of zone. Because people don't know where, like, how to do it, because no one teaches it, do they? No, you kind of just have to jump in at the deep end. Yeah. So, at what point did you start making money? Um, <laughs> just get to the money zone. <laughs> So I had, I started my Instagram as like a Pinterest board. So I just used to collect, like I used to have a photo album in my phone full of like screenshots that I just like kept for inspiration for what I would wear. And then my friends started really liking it. So I just popped it on an Instagram page and I grew to about 10K on purely that. So, and then I, I discovered these bloggers. I remember when I first discovered In The Fro from YouTube, you, you, Abby's looking blankly at me. You have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you listening probably would. And uh, she was one of the like first people in the UK to do it, I guess. And I remember discovering her YouTube channel. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. So I wiped my Instagram clean and started afresh with the 10,000 people and started posting pictures of my own outfit. So you were kind of inspired by this In The Fro person? Yeah, there was loads of them. Beauty Crush, um, Lydia Millen. There was so, there was a group of original people that I just discovered one day and I was like sucked into a hole and I never came back out of it. <laughs> but from that moment, from changing it from me into um, earning money, I'd say it was about maybe a year. Yeah. Until I got my first email gifting me a pair of sparkly shoes. <laughs> they were sparkly cowboy boots and they were hideous. But I was like, oh my God, it's happened. I made it. <laughs> And like on a weekly basis, you must get sent all sorts of like random stuff now, right? Not any, not so much anymore. I'm really strict with what I take these days. Oh, so you have to accept? Um, well, yeah, because you have to give them the PO box address. Oh yeah, of course. I just thought people would just be sending you stuff <laughs> like out of control. No, it can get if you put some people put their PO box on their YouTube channel, or whatever. It can get really out of control, but it becomes not very good for the environment. I don't think. Yeah. So yeah, you, all that packaging. Yeah, a lot of packaging. In terms of like your like life as an influencer, do you have like a moment where you were like, this is like, this is working for me? Like, apart from the glittery shoes situation. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sold, I'm here. <laughs> like, do you have like a proudest moment? Um, I think when you look back at how far you've come, it's just a very proud moment. But um, to start in the world of influencing, you have to have a motive that's like, I 
I'm going to do this. Nothing's going to stop me. Because what makes you go from A to Z is so much hard work. And you have to do years and years of work, solid work for absolutely nothing. I remember I did a nine to five job and I think every YouTuber that is in my position now will say the same thing. You do a nine to five and you come home at six o'clock and you work till 12 o'clock in the evening. And then you work Saturdays, you video, you record and then you edit and then you go back to your nine to five on Monday. Like it's nonstop for years. And you have to have that absolute drive and enjoyment for the job. Like I love what I do. So it never seemed like I was working. So you never had that moment of like I don't think I can do this no I've always been like I'm gonna get there that's amazing but I really I think you have to choose YouTube's a platform I think it's very um people think it's just fashion and beauty and you can just be one of those bloggers on it but you can choose your passion and put it on YouTube but you have to be passionate about what you do to enjoy it because it's so tedious like it's 24 hours a day you have to talk about fashion yeah like I'm obsessed with it always have been so it comes quite naturally and if you are not obsessed with what you're doing you're always up against people that are obsessed and doing it 24 7 so do you think that's probably the most important thing between like whether you succeed or fail absolutely because when people say to me I'm gonna start a YouTube channel I kind of think like oh you're gonna give up (laughs) (laughs) people do they'll give up when it gets hard like when they see the amount of work that you have to instagram's a different platform but youtube definitely the editing oh my gosh it's so much work yeah let's talk about editing like (laughs) do you want to talk about your experience i tried to edit just for everyone for the record i tried this podcast right to edit this podcast (laughs) i tried for like three hours and after three hours, I, I still couldn't work out how to just That's do a simple... longer than three hours. I think it was longer, yeah. I think it went on for days, right? Yeah, and I just was like, why am I doing this one? Like, I was frustrated because I was like, I know Laura can do it. Why am I sitting here <laughs> wanting to punch my computer? Like, I know, but I know, like, strength, my strengths and my weaknesses. And I just feel like it's not for me. Yeah. You know, like, it's good to know what isn't for you. Like, editing something, I'd rather pay someone to do yeah, it. Yeah, and obviously, 100%. if you don't... So, when people want to say they want to be a blogger, they want to be a YouTuber, it's all great because you just see the glamorous side of it the dresses but actually 90% of the job is editing yes so if you're not a great video editor or you don't enjoy it it's maybe not the career for you because that is what you're yeah I'd happily present something but can I be bothered to edit it no see I love making (laughs) videos I love the creative side so once I've film it I get excited to sit down on my computer and edit it yeah but I think it's because you've managed to overcome that initial like learning process like how did you like learn to edit so I just YouTubed like videos so I had one lecture at university on how to edit a video and they introduced me to a program called I used Adobe software in uni it's called InDesign I did my whole uni degree on InDesign and they have another software called Premiere Pro which is what I edit my videos on but I think most people use Final Cut Pro I just go a little bit extra and have Premiere Pro because it was easy for me but I had one lecture didn't really learn much I literally just got introduced to the software and then after that I just YouTubed every single thing that I had to ask it like how do I put this into Premiere Pro how do I cut in Premiere Pro just there's a full scale tutorial on YouTube for everything you could literally teach yourself anything on YouTube but how long does it take to learn that It was like a process over the years. So like the first time I sat and edited a video, it was like weeks before I could get it up. But that first week, 
was like so key. Like it's just a building block. Yeah. So every time I wanted to do something new and cool, I'd literally just YouTube it get the information and then it's just building blocks over the years to now that I can do it really quick yeah. because I've just done it for years now because I feel like for myself and a lot of people that pro that's the problem it's like the learning bit like the frustration and the lack of patience because you need to be quite patient to yeah, learn something do. new <laughs> and like you have to be like okay about sitting there and doing it like, but again it comes from the hunger you need to be hungry for yeah, it yeah not <laughs> it's like it for me, I always saw the end goal of where I want to be, which I'm still not at, but like I'm definitely on my way there. And you, those that patience and sitting there and learning, I knew, and the type of person that if, I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. I yeah. knew that one day I'd be there, like no matter, because YouTube's great because it's the only industry where you're in complete control. No one's like t- telling you you can do this. No one's saying yes, and I know you can be a YouTuber. Anyone can be a YouTuber. You just have to hone the craft. Yeah. And it's how hard you work at honing the craft that stops you from being no, like no one on YouTube to somebody on YouTube. So let's pretend that I suddenly have this burning passion <laughs> to be this YouTube star. Let's pretend. And I'm really interested in editing. Yeah. Where do you, Where's a good starting point? Um, I have a lot of cameras and I've wasted a lot of money over the years because obviously the cameras I've learned, some are good, some are bad. If I was to do a YouTuber starter kit now or an Instagram starter kit, I'd buy the new iPhone for my Instagram. That's all I ever take my pictures on is my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Um, I also use those pictures for the thumbnail of my YouTube video. I shoot on mostly a Canon G7X, which is what I use for vlogging. It's what I use for my sit down videos. It's a really great camera, even really good for Instagram pictures as well. So if I was going to buy a starting camera, my starting camera was the Olympus Pen, which was back in the day, such a fad and wasn't very good. But now a starting good starting camera would be the G7X Canon Mark II, which every single YouTuber has. <laughs> yeah, and what? how much does that cost? I think it's like 600, 700 pounds. Okay, so a lot of people would need to do a bit of uh, saving yeah. to maybe obtain that camera. So I first bought my camera with the money that I made off my Instagram from my phone. So I actually never spent any money doing investing in this job. So... I first made that money through my Instagram for collaborations over the years, like just a 50 quid here, 50 quid there. But all those 50 quids in the very initial stages added up to where I could purchase my first camera. And then I just kept investing back into the business until it was like a fully fledged business. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Um, So when you're editing something like how, what kind of time frame are we like working with? Like, so let's talk about, a YouTube video and let's talk about Instagram. Let's talk about Instagram first. Someone contacts you and says, Laura, I don't know, like, I don't know how you make money. We need to talk about that. Um, Laura, do do a photo for me or whatever. Here's the dosh. I don't know how it works. <laughs> here's, but the yeah, here's the dosh. Do a pic. You go out. How long does it take to get from you receiving that information, you then going outside, because a lot of, you do a lot of like shooting outside, don't yeah. you? Having your picture taken, editing the picture, and then getting onto Instagram. Like how many, does it take many, many hours to like create like a good image for your Instagram? I'm probably, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask this because I know a lot of people work really hard on their Instagram. But for me, Instagram's always been a secondary thing. So I shoot for YouTube and then I just use the pictures on the day for Instagram. And all my videos on Instagram are just cuts from YouTube. So it's always been a secondary 
platform for me, which is weird because I have doubled the amount of followers. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense. But if I was, if I had a campaign for Instagram, I shoot every week with a blogger friend. Um, we've done it for five years, which is crazy. And I said the other day, I was like, we looked back and I was like, think of how much money we've made each other. In, an, in a world full of like girls bitching and people bringing each other down, I was like, me and you have literally made each other so much money. Yeah. So in a way, it's you're not really this one man band. Oh God, I couldn't do without her and vice versa. Yeah. But there's so many people wanting to do this job. So if you're out there thinking, God, I've got no one to shoot with, literally you'll find a lot of people want to up their Instagram game. So it's easy to find someone in your area that would want to yeah, take that so picture. So it's probably good to like network with someone who's in the same sort of position as you. Yeah, yeah. And then you can also maybe like motivate each other a little bit as well. Or any family members. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, my friend's got a child, and she says her kid is just the right height for a great picture. <laughs> Parents, I know my mum really helped me start my business, so um, she took my pictures for the first two years of my career. Let's say I wouldn't have been able to do it without her. Bless her, thanks, mum. That was good. <laughs> Bless your mum. She's your number one fan. Isn't I remember she? I used to take the very first time I went out and took pictures before I used to take them with my blogger friend Georgia. Um, I took a. I took a tripod to the beach in England. It was raining. It was cold. It was so bad. And I was trying to create like a beautiful beach scene in my head. It was like really nice sunset. And the like literal reality of it was it's blown a gale. I took the dog. And in the back of this picture on this tripod was the dog like with his hair like blown back. Like, Laura, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was in like this beach dress and like north of England crappy beach (laughs) and then my mum just one day was like oh god come here give it here I'll take your picture and she did not know what she was letting herself in for she still shoots with me now bless her yeah she's been good she's on the payroll (laughs) oh yeah going back to money how does a person make money from YouTube like a lot of us don't understand where the money comes from how does someone I put a post on Instagram no one pays me anything (laughs) do you know what it's the most asked question I get and if you think about it it's so rude to just meet someone and be like oh so how do you make money how much do you earn (laughs) you're my friend you can do but honestly I meet someone and then they ask me how much I earn it's like the most intriguing question yeah so I, when I first started out, didn't actually realize how bloggers made money. I presumed, I remember thinking, I went to Waterstones. This was before I discovered YouTubers and YouTube. And I I was on a long train journey and I picked the number one best-selling book. And it was Zoella's um, first book she ever had out. And I read it. I was like, this girl's a YouTuber? And she's got a book? Zoella? Who's Oh, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who this oh, woman dear. is. She's probably one of the most famous YouTubers in the UK. Okay. She's got like millions of followers. Zoella. Zoella. Zoe. Oh. Um, her brother's just been on Strictly. Uh, what's his name? Joe. You don't watch Strictly either, no. do you? Okay. No. Really <laughs> so loop. that first moment where I was like, she's a YouTuber. She's got number one best-selling book. I was like, what is this? Like, my brain started ticking from that day. Would you not think that? Yeah. Like, how... How is this person on YouTube? She must be making money somehow. So I started watching these YouTubers. I really got into it then. And I was like, why do they all live in one bed flats in London and I'm in a six bed house share? Like, 
there was something about it that intrigued me. I was like, these kids are making money somehow. And I, my initial first thought was the Google AdSense because no one talks about it. No one tells people how bloggers make money. And if you Google it, it will tell you so much crap. And most commonly it will say, YouTube adverts, which is the advert that comes in front of your YouTube video. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that's the least amount of money I make. Okay. It's not very much compared to what the rest of it is. So that, with YouTube and blogging, it all comes in from different directions. So there's no one source that's like, this is a lot of money, but it only works because you've got so many followers. Right. Because if you think about it, if each follower pays you a little bit of money, then that's suddenly a lot of money. But if you don't have that following, then it's a little amount of money if that makes sense so there's a lot of ways one way which is a big earner for me is affiliate which not many people know about so affiliate links is when someone buys an outfit through my my link yeah I usually get 10 to 15 percent of that sale if they keep it does okay so if they send it back you so when I do you ever get so does money come in your account and they ask for it back then no so it's a company called reward style which most bloggers are you have to be what's it called like checked out to be a part of it like so they vet a, you and they vet you yeah you have to have some sort of following to be on it so i can't pop myself on no you have to be so- <laughs> not yet <laughs> i don't want to it's fine i think people would love to buy that outfit um so this is like 16 years old you have like so i have this little app that tells me how much money that i've earned in a week of people that bought it but that is a lot bigger than when it actually comes into my account, I'd say 75% of it goes into my account. So there's like a period of, oh, I've made that much money. And then it's like actually 75% of it then goes into my account three months later. Yeah. And sometimes it's six months later. So you have to be doing it for a while for it to like accumulate. accumulate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one way. Um, that would be equivalent. So that gets paid every two weeks. So for me, that's an equivalent to a, wa- a solid wage. I know that's going to come in. And it's why bloggers buy so much stuff because if I go to H&M and buy a top, I pop it on my Instagram, it's covered plus more, yeah. which people don't realize, which is crazy to this day. And it's such a amazing thing, but actually you become immune to that because there's so much work that goes in, beha- in, in behind putting it on to your social media yeah. that it's not a freebie if that makes sense yeah so you still have to put solid hours in to get that work just as any other person would do in that job but that's why we kind of go shopping a lot <laughs> <laughs> and then you have brand deals so I have a media kit which um, brands ask for they just I've actually only recently pitched to brands um from for about four years brands just came to me but then I thought I'd probably be a bit more business savvy and start doing it so I have a media kit now and um Brands pay money to advertise to your audience. So, for instance, let's pick a random brand, Primark. (laughs) Actually, really off-brand for me. Let's pick another one. Why is it off-brand? Oh. You used to be obsessed with Primark. Yeah, but now I feel like... Oh, you're above Primark No, no, not (laughs) above Primark. I would easily shop in, like, charity shops and that price level. But I feel like I'm really trying to be more careful with sustainability these days so yeah don't i always go on about quality knits marks and spencers let's give it a jumper i've got on it's like six years old so for instance marks and spencers will email me and be like can i have a youtube channel um a youtube video an instagram and then they'll pay me 
this is the one thing I hate about the industry. They will ask me my rates, which makes it very uneven because bloggers don't talk to each other. But usually you send your rate across and then they pay you. You do the work and they pay you. So you don't know what other bloggers are charging? No, I always ask because I think it's really, really important for us all to be on the same book because a lot of newbies or a lot of people just new and don't understand the industry will pay so little for what we, like I think I charge a reasonable amount, but then you'll get someone with the same followers who's new to the industry that doesn't understand that they can charge that much. But if you Google like magazines, I'll give you an example, Tatler magazine, who has 150,000 readers per month. Mm. For a bit of comparison, my YouTube channel and my Instagram gets about nine and a half million views per week. With click-throughs, with links. So it's a really shoppable place rather than a magazine which is on paper and you can't find the outfit anywhere. For the front inside cover of Tata Magazine, I think it was 150,000 pounds. So for a YouTube video, say one of my latest YouTube videos just got 200,000 views, I charge probably about a tenth of that. Wow. So I feel like bloggers need to charge even more than what we do. Yeah, maybe you should put your rate up. See what happens. But it kind of needs to, we all need to do it together. Everyone needs to do it, yeah, because someone's going to undercut you. Yeah. Because someone's always going to be okay about doing it for less. And I think, yeah. They say you should charge a tenth of your audience. A tenth. But I think it's not. On Instagram. Who's decided that? I don't know. Who's they? <laughs> it's just what people the say. The people again. that want to pay you decided that when it's actually you should probably. Well, if you've got 150,000 followers on Instagram, that's a one and a half K for one Instagram picture. It's quite good. One Instagram picture? Yeah. That is actually quite good. Yeah. I'd do that for that. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to pay me. <laughs> Suddenly, it's very appealing. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't kind of cheat it. There's so many links behind everything. Like now, it's you have to do reports, analytics. So for every brand campaign that I do, I have to send insights, analytics, and I have to yeah, show them. Yeah, because can you kind of like buy your... Could you be buying your... People, people can, can buy, buy their, their followers. followers really, really easily. And it's been a massive thing for such a long time because there's nothing more disheartening than being sat at a table next to someone that's bought their followers or even worse, someone that's slept with someone famous. <laughs> <laughs> when you tried so goddamn hard to get to where you are. But I think as the, this industry has gone on, brands have become more and more aware. Not aware enough but more aware because there's so many analytics behind it. So, for instance, if anyone questioned whether my audience was real, I have reward style stats that are like, I think it gets 200,000 click-throughs per month, I want to say, yeah. or week. I can't so remember. So you can prove. Yeah. Or be like, So someone yeah. who's bought that, I feel like a lot of people think it's a great, like, naive people do it. Mm. And actually, it's going to really, really fuck you up in the long run. Yeah, because you can't you can't sustain it. So if someone's bought their followers, I'm going to surpass you really, really quickly because you're just going to stay there. Yeah. And actually you're going to lose them after a while. They're going to go back. So you best just not doing that. Yeah. (laughs) What about like that whole like follow and unfollow strategy? Um, Does that work? A lot of people did that at the very, very beginning, like five years ago on Instagram. And it was a great way to initially like get yourself a following on Instagram. But I think Instagram done so many things to stop that now. And like you can't spam anymore. They block you. Yeah. So I would say not because I think if you get blocked a lot of times on Instagram really affects your 
algorithm. Something that I've wondered is have people missed the boat? Absolutely not. This is a lot of people think this. But there's influencers I know that I've just recently started in the past year and have grown massively. Actually, there's a myth, and I think there's a lot of myths around Instagram. Actually, the newer accounts do a lot better than the old ones because they get pushed more up the feed. Oh, really? So, yeah, you can start. I know people that have grown to 100,000 in a month on YouTube. Like, you just have to. And also, people think they're maybe too old. It's all about youngsters. And I think the older you are, the more chance you have because there's a lot of brands that want that middle section. Like I have a really old, old audience, <laughs> really old, just <laughs> ancient <laughs> dinosaurs. My, my age. So my YouTube channel is 30s to 40s. And then I've got a massive 40 to 60s after that, like okay. group of people. So there's not many people on YouTube with that audience. So okay. if there's more work for those people than there is for the 20s. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably oversaturated in that, like, yeah. 18, 19, 20. Because all those, like, what do you call them, Zen Jeddahs, are, like, into this, aren't they? They're, like, more aware of it but, than, like, maybe people in the 30s and 40s. Yeah, but they're so catching on. Like, my mum loves my Instagram. I've got to watch on every YouTuber. Yeah, she your mum's got a lovely Instagram as well. <laughs> but she now gets inspiration from YouTube. And I think more and more people, because if you think of, uh, like, maybe 40s to 60s where did they go for inspiration they, they don't know what to shop to shop in they don't know there's no shop except for next and marks and spencers that's like catered for yeah. that age group so like showing them how to put an outfit together from h&m or top shop where they probably wouldn't usually shop there's such a huge gap in the market for it mummy blockers make a fortune because you've not only got fashion and beauty you've then got kids you've got home it's like an open market for anybody so never think that you're too old or too late because if you want to do it do it how often should you be posting i mean there's no i post every day on instagram or i try to um youtube i did like to get two videos out a week but then i stopped that and just did it whenever i done the video like I took the pressure off myself because I found that I was just like literally shitting out videos and wasn't really proud of them whereas now I take a lot more pride in my videos and put a lot more effort in them and then put them out with pride if that makes sense so do you think it's better to post slightly less but always make sure the content's like slick it depends what your channel is about like when you start youtube you just have to literally jump in at the deep end and start trying to paddle because your audience will tell you what you're good at so some people are really good at daily vlogging and Mm. people are interested in watching that and that you literally upload every day and it's not bad quality but it's not anything like editing wise like impressive it's just literally a video that you've chopped and put together but if your audience is liking more put together videos, then you should do that, which is what I've done. Yeah. So let's talk about your audience. Sometimes they're not very nice, are they? Oh, the trolley. <laughs> Baza. Baza's the best. We've got, a, we've got a troll on this podcast too. Do, oh, we do, yeah. Yeah, it's got really infamy. How, how do you like handle like the negative effects of like... So this, you know, the social media trolling and all of that. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. And I think you have to have a very strong head going into this and be aware that I know it's awful and I hate this about the industry, but I cannot complain about trolls because I signed up for this. Yeah. And that is awful that I have to say that. You sign up to be trolled though. But you know it's inevitable. If you put yourself on the internet, you are going to get someone saying bad things about you. 
but in my head, every time someone says something bad, I take it as a compliment. Oh, that's a good way of looking So if at someone it. says I've got really bad legs, I'm like, my video has sparked an insecurity in themselves and they're jealous of my legs. Yeah. So I'm not sure whether that's true, but... It doesn't matter because it's how you how frame I it in your mind. But cope with the mechanism. Yeah. Because more often than not, it is people that don't feel very good about themselves taking it out on other people. You get no one confident going around saying people look shit. It's yeah. just one thing thinking it and one thing saying it. Yeah, so it's more about them than you, doesn't it? I just delete comments straight away, like, or block if it gets really bad. I don't even read them, to be fair, because I do that for my audience because they tend to stick up for me and get a little bit angry in in the comment section. And I think some people love to go online to, it's not even about you necessarily. They know it's going to upset your like lovely people that follow you and then they'll get into a nice bar with someone. Yeah, that, and that's what... fight, don't they? It's yeah, like I re- those guys that go to pubs for fights. <laughs> they get Some off on it. It's that. really bizarre. So I made a habit of just getting rid of it because I, did, I wanted my channel and my social media to be a happy place. Mm. So if anyone says something negative, it's not that I don't want people to think badly of me. I want it to be a happy place. Yeah, because there's enough negativity in the world. <laughs> but but the, can you tell the, us the best worst bad one? thing? <laughs> I hate when people say, I look old. <laughs> That's the worst one. <laughs> there's this guy, a guy or girl called Baza, and me and Abby always joke about it because he's like, it's so sad to see a woman of your age past her prime with no yeah. children living alone. They say your sister's got it all. She's got a career. You're she's jealous of her. I don't think she's got a husband. But he was like, she got a husband, she got a baby, and yeah, you you know, what are you doing with your life? It's like, what are you doing? You're on the internet yeah. talking about it. <laughs> That's obviously someone mental, like obviously. <laughs> Baz has got issues. Bless Bazza. <laughs> and what's the nicest thing someone's done? People are lovely on the internet. Everyone's like, YouTube's a horrible place. I'm like, oh my god, it's so nice. Whenever I put a video out, I sit there just smiling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, oh, the world loves me. <laughs> la, 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 la. Was, and then Baza comes along and yeah, just says like, shit's all over yeah. it. <laughs> Baza's like, this is too positive. Don't listen. I think though, it's, you come immune to it a little bit. Yeah. I haven't had it bad though. I think I've been quite lucky in the sense of trolling. What's like the least glamorous thing about you being a YouTuber? None of it's glamorous. What? <laughs> what about those parties you go to? That's that's great. <laughs> They're great. But actually, that's maybe once or twice a week on a night. Like, the rest of the time. I honestly work from the moment I get up in the morning to about 2am every night. I stop watch an episode of Friends whilst I'm having That's my tea. That's why she's thin. She's no time for eating. <laughs> and then I'll carry on. Like, there is just no, no stopping. And I'm sat at... It was funny because I go edit in a certain place every day and they didn't realise what I did. And then one of the guys that started following me who was like, you're a YouTuber? It's like, your life looks so glamorous, but you're here all the time <laughs> editing. I was like, I know. It's um probably sat at my computer in my gym kit and then... Uh, on when I'm working it's on the freezing cold getting naked on a street corner changing into a million outfits whilst yeah. you're getting frostbite sometimes in a tent yes Zoe yeah. one of the Instagram photographer ladies it's been in the Daily Mail Tina Tina's been in the Daily Mail <laughs> and you get changed in the tent on like Gosh. Like basically in bank, like surrounded by like really yeah. successful people while you're in a tent getting so, changed. So I know when I shoot with my mum, she's like, 
gets quite embarrassed about it. But when you get to a point where you are making money from this, it's yeah. like, I don't care. I'm yeah. getting changed. You can stare. You can look at me funny walking down the street. You stop. When you start making a living from it, you, um, you're immune to like the judgment. Yeah. And You've if someone liked having your photo taken though, haven't you? Do you reckon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were at college and you used to go Oh, and I used to take a camp. Oh, but not really with, yeah, we did that. But I've always been an oversharer. Like I've always put my life online even before doing this job. Like when Facebook was around, I had camera all the time, didn't I? Night out, it would be on Facebook the next day. Yeah. Holiday Facebook, random college, everything would be online. I was always an oversharer, so it comes very naturally to do this job. So if you're a private person, I feel like it would be quite hard to do it. Yeah. You are quite an oversharer. Like, you'll quite easily tell people Everything. about your life. Yeah. Like, almost to the point where you're like, stop now, stop. TMI. Abby's <laughs> <laughs> like, Laura, no. <laughs> do you ever like feel... <laughs> <laughs> traumatized yeah <laughs> so when it comes to like people that have trolled you like people must sometimes just be looking at your social media and feeling like you've got this perfect like physique you're very beautiful you're very fashionable you've got you're living this wonderful life in london do you think that like, what would you say to those people like, but feel bad when say, they look at your Instagram. Do you want to take a look at the rest of my camera roll? Because <laughs> there's about a thousand, no, about 3,000 very bad pictures in there. I find since doing this job, it's made me really unmaterialistic. Like, I've really noticed how meaningless materialistic things are. Because when you get given something for free that costs a certain amount it becomes the same as something that costs a little amount. Yeah. Like you have a whole different perspective on goods. And actually, if this job stopped, I would not miss the free things. I don't crave it. I don't want it. It be- makes you really know what you want and what you like. And you don't buy into things as much. Um, from taking pictures of myself, it's honestly made me realize that Everybody else on the internet is doing exactly the same thing. There's 900 pictures and you use one that you look great on and the rest. And honestly, you can be wearing the same outfit, look the same. You take a picture in one light and you look like a goddess. You take a picture in the other light and you look like a frog. So it's all this online presence. Yes, it's kind of real, but it's also very fine. Very polished. Yeah. Yeah. And... Because you do kind of look like you do look like your pictures. Do I? Thanks. Yeah. yeah. But then I also. But I like... don't when I wake up in the morning, do yeah. I? <laughs> <laughs> I look like a back end of a donkey, <laughs> which I actually put online too, because I really make a habit of showing both sides of it. I do take my makeup off online and look like crap. Yeah. I think it's that's good very that important. You do that, I think. But seeing all the people in this industry as well that look nothing like their Instagram. Yeah. I've been talking to a girl once for a good hour, not realizing she, I've been following her for six years because she <laughs> looks nothing like her Instagram. Like people look a lot better online than they do in real life. What do you use to edit your photos with? Um, I For Instagram, I use Lightroom. Okay. Um, I use Snapseed. I use, what else do I use? Snapseed. 
Stapsy's great for removing chewing gum off the pavement. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, you can like brighten. It's like a, a picker, so you can, it's like painting. I like it a lot. Um, Snapseed and Lightroom. I used to use Photoshop, but then Lightroom's pretty much the one. I think most Instagram people use Lightroom. But I think the key is not to do too much of learning over time. Less is more. Yeah. It's all about lighting. What are your top tips for growing a following? I think being original is so important in like this day and age because there's such a saturation in fashion and beauty industry online that you have to be different. And I think the habit is to maybe copy what bigger influencers are doing or the people around you are doing. But the key is to be original and to do you do you because no one else can do that. Yes. And like you can take inspiration from the people around you, but then put your own style together. Like don't copy what other people do. Great. Like, I like that. even down to where, like, I shoot sometimes and then a load of people shoot in the same place after. And I feel like you have to be that person at the front doing it. There's this, there's this graph that shows, like, you get first adopters, you get second adopters, and, like, people catch on to trends at different rates. And the YouTubers and the influencers, inverted commas because I hate that word, are always the people at the very, very front. You have to be the first person to do something. You have to be the first person to do a different style. So you cannot be a last adopter and be an influencer. That is key to this whole industry. Yeah. That is funny that you've said that because remember when you started wearing um, snakeskin stuff? And I was mortified. And then, like, maybe six months later, I was like, I quite like six Yeah, so in this so I'm graph... I'm slow motion, yeah. like, the last the Adopter. last people that adopt things. Well, I've, if you think back to, like, forever, I've always been at the front because I don't give a shit. Yeah, give less fucks. Yeah, give less fucks, and then people start to copy you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Wait, that that's a really good actual thing to leave on because... I watched this guy called Steve Bartlett on YouTube. He's great. He's like a business guy. And he was starting YouTube and he was vlogging and someone walked past him and laughed. And he's one of the, I think he's one of the youngest millionaires in England. And he said, if someone laughs at you, it means you're doing something different. And if you're being different, it usually means you're onto something, a good thing. Yeah. So don't be shy of people mocking you because I know a lot of people that mocked me when I made my first videos and two right they were very very bad (laughs) they were awful which are very privated on YouTube now but those same people ask me now all the questions you've asked me today like first they laugh then they ask you how you do it yeah well thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us this week was I right you were amazing (laughs) and thanks to everyone who's been listening as well if you've enjoyed listening to grown up please leave us a five star review and email any feedback to thegrownuppodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to keep up to date with us you can also follow us on social media at grownup underscore official bye 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 guys bye guys